Amen. So Halloween's here in a couple of weeks, and tonight I want to talk to you about uh, witchcraft, because why not? Um, and there's a, there's a verse in Exodus that's just really nice. It's Exodus 22, 18. It's King James just because of scary effect. Anytime you want like some good scary effect, King James is always a good one. It says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And going through high school, the thing that you watch in high school is Monty Python and the Holy Grail because that's what you do. And there's an, a scene in it, just in case anyone has not seen it. Uh, there's a violent mob of villagers, you know, with you know, pitchforks and torches that are leading this lady across the street. And they're like, burn her, she's a witch, burn her. And it's a comedy. I know that this doesn't seem, you know, mob violence is not comedic. I understand that. But it's funny in the movie. And it comes up to this uh, night, one of King Arthur's nights, and he's like, whoa, how do you know she's a witch? It's like, well, she looks like one. And it pans over to her, and they've got this big paper nose on her and this big pointy hat. And she's like, I don't look like this. They dressed me up like this. Like, well, did you dress her up like that? It's like, well, we did do the nose and the hat, but she's a witch. So they devise a, a method of figuring out whether or not she's a witch. And through the, the scene, they figure out if she weighs the same as a duck, she must be a witch. Well, that's not the type of witchcraft that we're going to be talking about tonight. Just, it's a really fun movie, so I thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd share that. Um, grow, or going to Bible school um, in New Tribes, I hung out with a lot of kids that were um, missionary kids from Venezuela. They were in a tribal group called the Yanomamu or the Yanomami. It's a huge tribal group in uh, Venezuela in the Amazon region. And uh, one of the missionaries that came out of that tribe wrote a book called The Spirit of the Rainforest. And it was in New Tribes, it was like, ooh, that's the voodoo witch doctor book. You know, he got saved and he wrote this book about all the spirits that he was, you know, talking to. And of course, like, ooh, let's read this book and, you know, read it late at night and scare myself uh, pretty effectively. So I read through it and they're an indigenous people group. So they spend all of their time trying to grow food to feed the family. Most of the time, it's the, the women in the village that are growing the food to feed the family. And the guys just kind of lays around and not really do anything. And there's a tremendous amount of opportunities to take a lot of drugs in that culture. So they'll take all of these hallucinogenic plants and have experiences with the supernatural. And so they will call themselves witch doctors. Well, anyways, this guy got saved and wrote this book about it. I, I say some of it might be true. Maybe the rest of it's like... It's a sensational, uh, sensational book. But there's something kind of cool about people that are in that group, and I think it reveals kind of who we are as, as people. Um, if you've ever messed with a computer, and then, like, everybody here knows how to do something with a computer, whether or not it's, like, hit the button and turn it on, and some of us stop there, and that's cool. I don't judge you. And then some of us kind of know how, well, I, I did that. Well, I did that. Well, I fixed that. But then every once in a while, something can be wrong with like the operating system and it's like well might as well just wipe it put a big magnet to it and start over well Adam and Eve did a bad bad thing in the Garden of Eden and it did something to our operating system it broke something in all of us and the message of the cross the message of the gospel is that Jesus came to redeem us from that broken state but the unfortunate thing is we live in an entire world that there's something wrong with the operating software. It's like the enemy has come in and implanted a computer virus 
in our minds and the way we think about things and the way we process things so that when we get information, we do weird things to the information and we don't really work right. Well, I think that witchcraft is one of those things that is in the core of our sin nature. And let me kind of describe what I mean about witchcraft. Say you are random Joe Schmo, someone that lived thousands of years ago in an indigenous uh, people group. You spend most of your time trying to feed your family. You know, a lot of people in this area were like that 50 years ago, where it was an all-day, everyday event just to make enough food to last, you know, the winter. Well, most of human history, we have spent all of our time doing that. Well, as we have made amazing revolutionary uh, discoveries with agriculture, we can have one person that can grow enough food to feed hundreds of other people. Well, usually for history, it's been the other way around. It's taken 100 people to grow enough food for like 50 people. So what happens if you are the Joe Schmo farmer that lives and you're like using a stone ax to try to plow up the fields? You are desperately trying to grow enough food to feed your family. And bam, potato blight. All of your crops fail. Your entire village starves to death. Is there anything that you could have done to fix potato blight? No, there's not. There's, you don't know enough about agriculture to prepare for a potato blight. Or say you're in the Middle East and you're growing all of this barley and you finally have enough to feed your entire village and over the horizon, a swarm of locusts comes through. Takes out every bit of your food, famine. Your entire village passes away from famine and there's nothing you could have done about it. Well, anytime that humans feel a lack of control, we will start using witchcraft to bring the world back into our control. So witch doctors show up and they'll say, hey, if you pay me in a goat, I'm going to go out into your field and I'm going to perform some whatever hoodoo witchcraft and I am going to create good crops for you. So People that not even or might not even believe that this person is accurate, they'll go, well, it's not really hurting me. It's a goat. And if giving up a goat means that my family lives or not, might as well. We'll give the, the witch doctor down the road a goat to come make sure that my, my crops last. Well, most of human history, we've experienced this kind of culture right here. A lot of people that live in indigenous people groups will still um, operate like that. And that whole system of belief is called animism. Now, animism, just like we are monotheist because we believe in one God, animists believe that everything has a spirit. You just watch like Disney's Pocahontas, like there's a song about it, that they believe that every plant, every tree, every rock, um, the sky has all these spirits and they have all these powers. Well, the idea of witchcraft is that if all of these different things have all this different power, well, I can manipulate that power in order to manifest something in real life. And sitting in America, we think, it's like, well, of course you can't do that. Um, I know most of you guys know this, that I love vacationing in, uh, in New Orleans. Well, New Orleans is known for being like a voodoo capital of the world. And so any, anything that you can do to make money in New Orleans off of tourists, you're going to turn into like an industry. So you don't go to New Orleans to get food, even though the Cajun food is really amazing. You don't go to New Orleans to hear real good music because all that stuff is out in the community. New Orleans is kind of like old school Disneyland. 
nothing's real in Disneyland. Nothing's real in New Orleans. You just show up and it's all kind of touristy stuff. Well, there are some voodoo shops and people think, ooh, it's real stuff. 99.9% of all of it is just a con man. It's just, you know, P.T. Barnum, the Ringling Brothers, the Barnum and Bailey Circus, said that a uh, sucker's born every minute. They were con men. The guy created a, a mermaid. You know, they sewed like a monkey to the end of a fish, and they had people from all over the place coming in looking at this mermaid. P.T. Barnum found a mermaid. Well, it was all a con. It was all a show. Well, these witches, it's all cons. It's all shows. The only part about witchcraft that is actually real, and we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, is demonic stuff. So there's nothing spooky about someone that's calling themselves a witch because all of it's just show. It's smoke and mirrors. It's fluffy stuff. Now, what happens, we hear of smoke and mirrors, and we hear of, ooh, but what if? What if that witch is real? And we have this like, oh, no. It's the exact same response as the farmer that's like, well, I don't know. Maybe I should give the witch doctor a goat so that my crops live, okay? So God is talking to his people in Exodus, and he says, don't suffer these witches to live because God knows it's all fake. They are faking things in order to get money, to get positions of power from the, the Israelites. And I want to read a ver few verses out of Deuteronomy that kind of just puts the puts a finer point on it. Um, Deuteronomy 18, starting in verse 9, says, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, be careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the, of the nations living there. So God is talking to the nation of Israel before they go into the promised land. Well, the promised land is not empty of people. There's all these different nations that live there, and they do some really messed up stuff that God is saying, hey, I don't want you guys to imitate all the weirdos that are in this land. So he says in verse 10, For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering, and don't let your people practice fortune-telling, or use sorcery, or interpret omens, or engage in witchcraft, or spells, or cast spells, or function as mediums or psychics, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. In verse 14, the nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Why? Like that's something I don't, I don't think that we ask of the scriptures quite enough. We just, we read it and go, which is at the stake. Okay, like I don't, I don't need to know anymore. I don't need to know why. I just know not to mess with that stuff. Well, the reason why God doesn't want us to like say murder, it's not because he doesn't, he, he's just arbitrarily created something that he's going to be mad at and it happened to have been murder. God, who he is, is, is an act of his character of who he is identity-wise, he is life. And so everything that stands opposed to his character he is against. I know that sounds kind of self-explanatory, but if something is fighting against life, God will fight against it. And God doesn't wrestle. He doesn't struggle. He dominates because he's the king of everything. That There's not a war in heaven. You know, Satan is not fighting really hard. The Lord has won over Satan. But we have free will. So we get to choose 
death over life. He even told that to the Israelites. He says, choose blessing, but you can choose curses if you want to. Choose life, but you can choose death if you want to. And so God comes down and says, don't get mess or don't mess around with all these people that are witches that are practicing sorcery and all this stuff. Why? Well, like I was saying, if all of your efforts as a early farmer is trying desperately to make sure that your plants live, at the core of it, I am afraid that my plants are going to fail. And like I said before, any time that humans lose the perception of control, we will start fighting desperately to bring forces under our control. So why am I bringing that up here in America, you know, 2015? I'm back to the future day. Well, we do have witches that live in the area. Like there are people that practice neo-paganism that go back to and like research all these Celtic cults that started in Ireland. And they do some of the things that, that they used to do back then and they'll call themselves witches. But I kind of want to talk about we do that in here. And I'm not going to point any fingers because I am just as guilty of this as, as anybody else. But when I lose the sense of control in my life, I will start doing really weird things in order to put me back into control. And everybody in this room probably today has felt the loss of control on something. Your boss told you something that you didn't want to hear or your husband or wife told you something that you didn't want to hear and you kind of felt, oh, no, I'm out of control. Or your kid won't stop crying no matter what you do. You feel this loss of control. Well, the sin nature inside of you rises up and says, hey, I've got a great solution. I've got this ritual for you to do. And demonic stuff starts whispering in your ear, hey, if you do this ritual, I will give you the power that you just lost. And our idiot minds go, yeah, let's do that. Well, what do those rituals look like in America today? Have you ever been on the phone with somebody and someone's like talking and making a really loud noise and you can't really concentrate or someone's just really frustrating you and you've snap, you've had enough, you don't want to hear it from them anymore and you either throw the phone or you put the phone down and you say, listen up. Everybody be quiet, and you start acting like an idiot, and you start throwing things, and you start using lots of loud language, and your you know hand motions go all over the place, and you become a rage monster. Just right there in front of everybody, it's like, Dad's gone crazy. Yeah, Dad's gone crazy. And then you get it out of your system, and you kind of calm down, and everything's awkward. Maybe you guys have never done that. I've done that before. Um, and so you sit there and go, What? It's like, like it's everybody else's fault. So what happens is that some demonic force whispered in your ear, hey, if you do this ritual of throwing your arms around and you make this big, loud show, you can have control over people. Yeah, let's do that. Now, if you go to indigenous people groups and you watch what their witch doctors do, it's like I'm going to throw this big hissy fit in order to control all of these spirits and things. And so we, as you know, most Americans, we're not trying to control the spirit of barley or we're not trying to control the spirit of locusts. We're trying to control everybody else's spirit because there's a spirit in you that I feel the need to exercise control over because everybody in this room will make decisions that terrify me. Like everybody in this room will do things not the right way because my way is the only right way. And when you do something that's different from me, it scares me and I lose control over that. That's why you'll see me 
This is me confessing. If I ask someone to help me do something and they start doing it, I'll go, don't worry about it. Let me, let, just let me do it. I'll, I'll do it quick. I'll do it the right way. I won't have to come behind you and I won't have to fix it again. I manipulate the people around me in order to exercise control because I want it done my way. Okay, so in witchcraft circles, you'll hear people talk about there's a difference between black magic and white magic. And they'll say that there's no difference between the two. Like, no, like there's not a you know, white magic people are good and black magic people are bad. They're just different paths to get what you want. Well, let's say that black magic is the aggression. I'm going to exercise dominance and control. And, those of, and this is me. Those of us that struggle with rage deal with this. We try to exercise intimidation and control over the people that are around us through our anger or through us using loud words, or us trying to scare people. That's what we do. Well, there's another branch. There's another way to get to that manipulation, and it's through seduction. It's playing the victim card. And I've done this too. I don't feel in control. Therefore, I'm, I'm just going to act like I'm, I'm always hurt. Like um, We had a, a beagle dog, one of my friend's dog. I promise you he loved this dog more than he's loved anybody in his life. Um, like if the house was on fire, he would leave me in the house burning and go save Jewel. Her name was Jewel. Well, we were hunting rabbits one day. Well, no, we weren't hunting rabbits. We were out there playing with the lovely rabbits as they were going by, and we just happened to have had guns as well. So Jewel was uh, this hunting dog. She was playing with the rabbits too. She didn't intend harm to come to the rabbits at all. So we were out there, and Jewel stepped on an old rusty barbed wire fence. And it hurt her, her, the pad on her. And so, you know, she starts limping around and, you know, there's blood in the snow. And my friend's name's Jojo. He loses it. You know, he like lays the gun down in the snow, which you don't do, picks Jewel up and starts running back. And he bandaged her little paw. And it was the most precious, sick, dumbest thing ever. It's like, Joe, come on. She's fine, man. It's just, it's a little pinprick. It'll be fine. Well, Jewel limped around on that paw for like a month. Took it to the vet and was like, what's, what's wrong? Is it infected? No. <laughs> she just likes attention. And so I would watch it. Jewel didn't like me. She would, like, chew up my shoes. So I would be sitting there watching TV, and she would come through, like, a hallway, and she will be just trotting. And when she saw, sees that someone notices her, she'll start. It's like you were a dog, and you were manipulating the people around you. Well, we humans do that, too. If I don't feel that I have the ability to dominate you and to control you, I will just act wounded all the time. Now, the problem is a lot of the times we convince ourselves that we actually are that wounded. But really, I'm just wanting to give you enough problems so that you'll take pity on me. I can't stop you from doing something that, that I don't want you to do, so I will generate a sob story to throw at you. And it's just as seductive as witchcraft. The actual word witchcraft is just manipulation. So in indigenous people groups, they are trying to manipulate spirits of things that they think that are in rocks and trees and animals and stuff like that. But in, in America, we do it way more violently. We try to manipulate and control the people that are around us. And so God is saying to his people, this whole idea of manipulation we don't fly by that rule. We don't do it. If you catch yourself manipulating somebody, I need you to stop 
what we read in Exodus 22, don't suffer a witch to live. And when we can feel that rising up in us, it is time to repent. Oh, no, instead of doing it the right way, I've reverted to witchcraft in order for me to get my way. I've tried to manipulate and to con the people into being sorry for me. Or I have tried to dominate and scare the people into obeying me. Oh, no, I was a witch. You're not, though. And see, that's the thing about the gospel, and I say it all the time. The gospel is that the cross of Christ has separated us from all of our junky behavior. Everything that is wrong about me, um, the Bible says that the word of the Lord came in and it separated all of the junky stuff. So that um, Paul says in um, Romans, he says that it's no longer I that sin, but that sin that's living inside of me. He's saying, yeah, you know, you, you lost your temper, but I didn't lose my temper. I got manipulated into acting like someone that's losing my temper. I don't lose my temper. I don't manipulate. I'm not a witch. Therefore, I separate myself from the punishment of that witchcraft. And so no one's going to burn me at the stake next time I lose my temper on somebody. But what we do need to do is repent of that. And the Greek word for repent is metanoia. It means to change your mind. And a lot of the times when we talk about the word repentance, we usually mean well, just stop doing that. It's like, well, I have a problem with, you know, abusing drugs. And people that don't have a problem with abusing drugs will just look at you and go, well, stop. Thank you. Stop. I'll, I'll get right on top of that. It's like when um, I can't ski or wakeboard or anything like that, but I can tube because to tube, you just have to work with gravity. And me and gravity are awesome friends. I can work with gravity all day long. But my friends will try to teach me how to ski. And it's like they're so frustrated because they see me on the back of the It's like, just stand up. Thank you. Stand up. Oh, yeah, I've got that. Is that a whole lot better? Well, to quit doing an action is just as hard. Like, just stop it. It's harder than that. It's a little bit more complicated. But the word repent means to change your way of thinking about that. It's not just... Stop losing your, your temper. Okay, I will try harder next time. That's, that's the phrase that we use. Or if you're really deluded, you'll go, I'll never do that again. Liar. You will too. But the problem is that something's wrong with the way I'm thinking. I think that if I lose my temper, I'm actually going to get control. That's what that lie is. And when I do that, I've got to go, oh, demon, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I am not going to control people through my aggression or through my anger. That's not the way we do things. I don't believe that anymore. God, what's the truth that replaces that lie? Is that people want to help me. I don't have to manipulate anybody into being my friend. I don't have to manipulate my way. I've got a God that is watching over every step that I take and loves giving me great things. I don't have to sneak around to get things out of people's pockets. I've got a rich dad who's going to give me everything that I could ever need. I don't have to manipulate. And when I watch myself manipulating, that means that I have not believed that God will provide for me, and I believe that it's up to myself to get what I need from people. So we reject the lie, and we, we receive the truth. Because when we start trying to control our lives, 
That's what it is. God, I don't believe that you've got this. Either A, I don't believe that you're strong enough to handle this, or B, I don't believe that you have the heart to handle this. So there is anyone, well, I'm sure most of us have not read Oliver Twist, but the story of Oliver Twist is this little orphan gets hoodwinked into this den of thieves, and they start trying to manipulate him into being a thief. And of course, little Oliver, you know, saves the day and all this stuff. But uh, you get people that like, well, I can't depend on my, or I can't depend on anybody else to take care of me. Therefore, I'm gonna have to turn into a pickpocket. And that's what witchcraft is. It will give you the tools to be an emotional pickpocket. You're not gonna give me love. So therefore, I'm gonna have to manipulate my way and take love from you without you even noticing. All right, some of the ways that we do that with people are, um, let me just flirt. I know this is something we don't really talk about in, in church, but all of us know how to just turn on that charm a little bit just to get a little bit more help. You know, if you are nicer to your waiter, they might not spit in your food. So, well, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of that sometimes. Like, so I'm, not, I'm never going to be angry at the people that are serving me food or fixing my car. Even if they say, I'm sorry, sir, we burnt your steak. That's okay. Can we try another one? I'm not going to be like, you burnt my steak, because then I don't know like, what kind of Drano they're putting on the food. But all of us know how to emotionally manipulate. We know how to turn on that charm. If it's someone of the opposite sex, we know how to flirt in order to get what we want out of people. Well, do we ever do this to God? Yeah, we do. We do. We do the exact same things to God because deep down in the dark recesses of my heart, there's a lie in there that believes that God really isn't near as good as he says that he is. So you will start bargaining with God. This is my last point tonight. You will start bargaining with God, and every one of us have, have done it. Well, God, if you do this for me, then I'll. Well, if you, then I'll. Well, if you do this, in sports games, God, if you'll just let them win, I will volunteer for missions to the Congo. I'll, I'll, I'll never miss another church service. I'll never do it again. It's like, whatever. That's not the relationship that we have with God. We think that if we fast more, God will be motivated to do something for us. He'll go, oh, well, I wasn't going to give you that toy, but since you've gone on a hunger strike, I guess I'll give you that toy. Or if you worship real hard, um, you'll hear preachers say this. Of course, nobody here. But um, you'll hear people say, well, if you will shout, God will do this for you. Well, if you will start dancing, God will do this for you. I'm not talking about, hey, I kind of feel that God's kind of wanting us to dance. They're trying to get a response out of you in order for God to be nice to you. And that's not what we do. Hey, if you will give $5,000, God will start being nice to you. Well, okay, I guess I'll write a check to pay God off. That's tools of manipulation, and we don't do that mess. God's attitude towards me is fixed, never changes. There's nothing I can do to make him love me more, nothing I can ever do to make him love me less. His attitude towards me is fixed. Now, the flip side of that, because I am secure in my relationship with him, so if um, your husband or wife does something dumb, which we are all prone to do multiple times, and they come in and they buy you a dozen roses and they throw the roses down on the table and go, there, and walk off, does that fix it? No, <laughs> not at all. That doesn't fix it. So 
when we are dealing with God, a lot of the times we'll do that. Sorry. And walk off. It's like, no, you, you forgot what relationship was. Now, if you have a great relationship with your uh, husband or spouse or significant other or whatever, and they come in, it's like, baby, I was thinking about you today, and I just got you a dozen roses. Not because I'm in trouble, not because I need anything from you. They were pretty and you were pretty, so I thought that they should go together. There is something that opens up in your heart. And so worship, when I said that God's not going to give us stuff if we dance harder or we shout louder or like, like maybe this is the area of blessing, but this I don't get any blessing. If I get my arms at this level, God will heal me, but this level I got nothing. But out of the overflow of my heart, if I go, God, I don't know why, I just feel the need to dance. There is something about the heart of God that just opens up. And he's like, oh, baby. Way to go. Did it with David. He said, David was just being really awesome one day, and God was like, hey, David, just because you're amazing, I'm going to make sure that one of your descendants is going to sit on the throne for eternity. David's like, great. (laughs) Whatever, God. So, like, there is that give and take in relationship, but if you try to get it by force or if you try to get it by manipulation, sorry, That's not how we operate as people. That's not how God operates as our Father. Jesus says that I am the only door into the kingdom. Now, if you try to get into this kingdom through any other door, I'm going to call you a thief and a robber. And it's like, God, you call someone a thief and a robber? It's like, yeah, but the door's open. Come in. Don't try to manipulate anything out of God. Don't try to manipulate anything out of people, and you will find that those doors stay open to you all day long. But if you try to steal or manipulate, cops show up. That makes sense? So, yes, there's witchcraft in the world. 99% of it is just con men. They're just trying to scare people. All right? There's no witch that has the ability to turn the Mississippi backwards. All of it's con men. It's smoke and mirrors. It's nothing that you have to worry about. But at the same time, the danger in witchcraft is that there is this subtle manipu- or this subtle hook of trying to get you to manipulate people and spirits around you. And what God says of you is like, you don't have to do any of that stuff. The doors to the bank vault are wide open. You can just come in and ask as a son or a daughter in relationship. Don't try to steal things. Don't try to manipulate things. Don't try to use your anger and aggression to force anybody to do anything. Don't try to use guilt in the victim card to manipulate someone into giving you some sympathy. It's easier said than done. We can all say, well, yeah, of course I'll never do that sitting in the church. You know, of course that sounds like a dumb idea to, t- to turn into a giant rage monster to get what I want. Of course it's dumb to play the victim card to get what I want. Ooh, all of us do it. My point is when you see yourself do that, go, Mm-mm. I'm not going to suffer that witch to live. We're going to burn that thing at the stake. We're not, that is not how I'm going to deal with relationships. Does that make sense? Well, let me pray for us. We're going to pray for uh, some people on the list. By the way, we have uh, prayer cards in the back of people that are needing breakthrough in healing, finances, uh, relationships. On your uh, way out or before you leave, go grab a packet of prayer cards. Say that you prayed for uh, some of our brothers and sisters and dump them in those baskets, and we will mail those prayer cards, and they'll go, oh, David prayed for me. Oh, Rebecca prayed for me. Oh, Kelsey prayed for me. And it's, 
it's really nice to know that you've got people standing in the, in the gap for you. Does that make sense? All 